Well, good morning. Um, excited to be with you today. Um, for those of you guys who uh, didn't know me before, you saw this scraggly-looking guy with a beard and long hair doing announcements the last couple of weeks. I'm Israel. I'm one of the youth pastors here. Um, I, um, yeah, it's so funny. Last week, I came up here and was doing the announcements, and later that night, I saw Charlie Smith at a fusion event, and he told me my zipper was down. And I was like, oh, shoot. And I... It, I thought, you know, what you'd normally think about your zipper being down, and I realized it was just one of my shoe zippers. Um, and uh, <laughs> I was relieved, relieved to realize what he meant when he said that. Uh, it caused me a little bit of anxiety right there at first. Um, but I'm excited to be with you and to share. And uh, this morning we are going to talk about peace. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about this tool here in just a second. Um, but First, I want to intro peace. We've been looking at this Romans 5 scripture the past few weeks and highlighting a different portion of it. So we're going to read this together real quick, um, and then we'll move on to the tool. Romans 5, 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God love, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Amen. Uh, so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at peace, and I want to highlight this part of the verse there towards the beginning. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the truth we're going to explore today. Um, I, I've been really, it's been helpful, uh, Guile, even the last couple uh, weeks to kind of zoom in on some of these words, you know, hope of the glory of God, uh, joy. I had Sam Smith's uh, screaming, let's go, in my head all week last week. And um, it was helpful uh, to be reminded of the glory of the God. And so actually, before um, coming up here today, I, I kind of looked in at this word peace, and another another kind of word that's helpful to kind of capture this is uh, that we're reconciled back to God. Um, I think even just kind of thinking about the prodigal sons that was coming to mind this morning, that we can be, you and I have been reconciled back to God. But what I've discovered is there's moments where I feel really reconciled back to God, and there's some that I don't. And I need things in my life to help me come back. With Jesus, with God, I have peace with God. It's not something I do on my own, but I need to be able to come back. And so um, this is the truth, but I found that we need practices in our life to be able to do that. And so um, I'm going to share a little bit about this tool called Quiet. And uh, like Gile said, for the Fusion uh, 912 students here at Retreat a few months ago. This is just review. So uh, there'll be a test later. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Uh, summer camp this last year, one of my favorite times all year, we go out to Shepherd's Fold, um, Luke Kennedy's favorite place on earth. And um, we were having a really sweet time. Seth Kittinger was our speaker and shared about the yoke of Jesus. And the last night we talked about sitting and listening, and the passage was the story of Mary and Martha. Um, 
And I just made a mental note just as a leader in the space that, okay, this is great. I really want to revisit this again. And within a couple of weeks, knowing that was in mind and knowing I had a retreat coming up, I just kind of, the, the word quiet just kept coming to me. Don't know where I really, I, I think it was just really the Lord uh, was just kind of highlighting this word. And so I communicated it and said, okay, we're having a retreat coming up. We're going to talk about this word quiet. I didn't even really know where we were going with it. I just felt like that's what the Lord highlighted. And so a few weeks before retreat, I was sitting in my office and it was identifying some words that were really helpful to kind of talk about this. And I realized all these words kind of fit in with the different letters in the word quiet and um, kind of uh, stumbled with the Lord into an acronym. This isn't my attempt to be Pete Gregg or anything. Um, I just really felt like the Lord was highlighting some of these words and I just want to speak to some of the noise and the hurry that we feel. Even at a time where there's holidays and it really should create more margin, we all feel more hurried and stressed than maybe ever. And the opportunity for us to miss God in the moment is really there. Um, And my hope for us today in, in talking about some of these things is that you and I have just been hearing this all morning. You and I could see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to see God in my life. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the moments. Um, so I'm going to get into this tool before I start crying. Um, I'll get there later. This tool, Quiet, um, has been really helpful for me, like I said, because I, I've always felt like a pretty distracted kid. I don't know if some of you guys would guess that about me. Growing up in school, I was the kid who got in trouble on my desk for tapping too much, and the teacher would take stuff out of the marble jar. And growing up... <laughs> It's a long history for me of being distracted. Um, growing up, I'm the guy that's tempted to have, you know, my different browsers open. I could have a soccer game going on here. I could work on my notes right there. I could, you know, have all that stuff going on. And in this last season, I feel like the Lord's been highlighting some of the noise in my daily life. And they're not bad things. And my guess is for most of us, the things that are distractions usually aren't bad. I know for the young parents in the room, your greatest distractions are also your greatest joys in life. So, There's nothing bad about some of the things that we're distracted by, Um, but we don't want to miss God in the moment. And so I started journeying just with the Lord, and and I I think some of this tool is almost my synthesis of some things that I've learned in the BC community. Um, And so there'll be maybe not a ton of new stuff here, but I do think um, it's going to be helpful, and it being collected into one place has been really helpful for me. So um, we're going to get going on this tool. Um, so in other words, it's, it's just a series of helpful steps for us to evaluate the nature of distractions and busyness in our life um, so that we could take measures to accept the invitations of God to live a more quiet life with him and the others around us. So I'm going to read this passage. I know we've already read lots of scriptures, but just indulge me on one more, um, and we're going to move into the first letter. Um, this is Luke chapter 10. This is the passage that Seth Kittinger read with us um, the night of summer camp, and I just want to read it for you right here all together. Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and she had a sister called Mary, who was also seated at the Lord's feet, and was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving by myself? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So we're going to zoom in at that last part of the verse a couple different times today. Um, But 
where we're going to start in our journey of pursuing quiet. Um, all of us crave quiet. We want quiet. Um, we all resonate with the desire to have peace and quiet, right, in our lives. Um, but before we even start there and try to do some things to figure out what it could be to, to have a quiet life or a more peaceful life, I think it's actually better we start with some questions. So that's the first letter here. Um, it was fun at retreat. I think all the students are like trying to guess, okay, what's the next one? You know, is it intentional? Is it explore? So maybe you can try to guess as we go along. But the first word is question. Um, and there's actually good precedent in scripture for us asking good questions and Jesus himself asking us questions. I want to look at a couple times this happens. And we've had this conversation at BC a couple times, just asking the questions, what do I want? What are my desires? What kind of life do I want to live? And so we're going to explore a couple of these scriptures real quick. Um, and this is really highlighting this, this space um, where Jesus says to Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. We're going to get to ask the question, what are we distracted by? Um, but a couple different um, opportunities for us to look and see how Jesus did this is the first one in John one, um, it says the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him saying this, they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So we see Jesus, really, the first time he meets his disciples, he asks them, what do you want? Right? So there's a good precedent for this. Another time this happens, this is a really uh, fun story in chapter, uh, Mark chapter 10. Then they came to Jericho. Jesus' disciples were together with a large crowd. We're leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing, on, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Jesus, uh, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. It's kind of a funny story in the way that Jesus is asking a blind man what he wants him to do for him. <laughs> You'd think it'd be a little obvious there. You know, a blind guy is coming to Jesus, and um, but Jesus is asking him, hey, what, what do you want me to do for you? And I, I think what's important for us in knowing our busyness and our distracted nature, um, like I said, I, I've, I've been very aware in this last season of my life how distracted I can be, all the different things I could be worried and anxious about, just like Martha. It's been really helpful that my Lord, my Savior, is really gracious to me, and he, he asks me the question, and you and I have maybe had opportunities to do this in life, what, what do I want? What do you want, Israel? What do you want your life to look like? I, um, I want to give us some of these questions, and we've done these kind of exercises before, but I want us to be able to look at our life. If, if what we want is a life with peace and nothing wrong in our lives and just bliss around us, we need to ask ourselves, what kind of life are we living right now and what kind of life do we want? And so what I'm going to do this morning, this is the first step, and, and we're going to zoom in on more um, 
what questions here and less why questions. We might get to the why later, and the why might just come up. But right now, do your best to just stick with the what questions. And I have some what questions for us to kind of go through. These are some life questions and some time questions. So just that question, what do I want? Do I like the life I'm living right now? Am I living a healthy life right now? This is my favorite one. It's been really challenging me. Am I, is the life I'm living right now one that I'd want for other people? Now, some time questions. We'll get to devices here in just a minute. Am I on my phone too much? Am I watching too much entertainment? Am I working too much? Overcommitting with my activities? Um, here's a few more. These are actually the really deep ones. Um, these are what I call coping questions. I, I have kind of circled through um, CR a couple different times, and I've realized one of the things I check in about, I say, hey, my name is Israel, grateful believer. Um, so I bear recovery from my coping tendencies. Right? And there's any number of them, but I have to address not just am I too busy, but what am I busying myself with, right? How many of us resonate with the reality that when I feel anxious, the first thing I reach for is my phone, right? What am I busying myself with? What do I distract myself with? What do I reach for in my anxiety? What do I use to cope with my stress, resort to in coping with my fears? In, in addiction, what am I repeatedly reaching for to cope? So what I'd love to do here first before we move on to other letters um, I'd like us to pause and ask some of these questions, and this will not be an ample enough time for us to be able to do that, but I want us to be able to pause and, and ask some of these questions for about a minute. It may even feel a little awkward. I'm okay with that. I think one of my favorite parts of the service last week is when we all had to be silent for like a minute while the mic uh, was waiting to be turned on. So I'm, I'm okay with this. Um, I'm just going to put these slides back up here and allow us the opportunity to ask some questions here. And this is, this is a with God thing. This is not I'm trying to figure out all the details of my life that need uh, to be assessed. I get to do this with God. So I'm going to put these back up here and about 30 seconds in, I'll switch the slide over to the one with some of the coping questions. So let's just ask some of these questions. You just pick one and we'll take about a minute. switch over to some, some of these other questions. We'll take a look at one of these for another 30 seconds or so. All right. Now, I want to make one comment real quick. Um, you know, we don't want to feel, this is the importance of doing this with God is that we don't feel the shame, but we get to feel the conviction of, okay, my life is pretty distracted. It's actually good that we realize that, but not let it define who we are, because it's not who we are. But it's okay that we can ask some of these questions. It's really good for us. You guys with me? Um. So I, I've had the chance to practice this in a couple different seasons. I know we've done this all together. 
um, a couple times in some different series at BC. Um, a few months ago, I was able to go to Mexico with OTTOM, Vic Cruz and team, and let's just say the next week I had to be in my house for 10 days for an unspecified reason. And something about being alone and away from your normal life that kind of throws you into some existential stuff of, man, do I like my life right now? And when you're at home in that kind of context, it's a pretty, you know, easy thing to ask. Um, and so I, I felt like the Lord, this is after we had done our retreat, I felt like the Lord kind of thrusted me into asking some of these questions. And it was cool because I did it with the Lord. And the Lord started speaking to me, yeah, you're, you're pretty distracted on your device right now with your phone, with your possessions. Um, I was like, okay, cool. What do we do now? And what was cool is the Lord's already kind of been working on me with this tool. And so I knew what the next thing was maybe going to be. And so the Lord led me in this quiet acronym. We're going to go to uh, U, which means unplug. A uh, bit of a funny word. Um, so if you don't like it, <laughs> use unhurry. That'll work just fine. Um, but I like the word unplug for the reason that it kind of gets at the devices that we are so often around in our culture right now. Um, so like I said, usually the first thing I reach for is my phone when I'm feeling anxious or worried about something or um, I, and, and for me, it's, you know, getting on and looking at the sports stuff or looking at my emails. That is, is something wrong that I need to address is, you know, stuff like that. Um, but our devices, and I don't want to be, you know, that guy, but I, I, it is worth talking about the devices for just a second. Um, so speaking of stuff we are plugged into, just we'll start with devices here. I think you guys are aware, but we are really plugged into our devices in this season of history. Um, Studies were done a few years ago that estimated that the average person, the average iPhone user, touches their iPhone two and a half thousand times a day. Um, That was done a few years ago, by the way, Um, so it's probably higher. Millennials, and I would say maybe exponentially more so from millennials to Gen Zers, I don't know, but my guess is this is the case for both those demographics, but they say millennials, it's sometimes twice as many times as that. And that can be for hours, who gets their screen reports every week, you know, how long you've been on it, yeah, it's always a moment of like, I cannot believe I've been on it that long, right, we're never proud of it, I've never been proud of it, and uh, just more context on this, uh, people who work in the industry of devices or the internet and those kind of things, they're starting to refer to this as not like the technology economy or anything like that, they're referring it to, uh, they're referring to it as the attention economy. They, they are in the business of wanting our attention. Uh, if you don't believe me, I, we've recommended it before. Watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Uh, recommended resource. We, we, are, we are plugged in as a culture. And I, I want to say this again. These aren't necessarily bad things. You know, we shouldn't all feel shame for being on our devices. I, I did most of my work on a device, and I do most of my daily work on it. But, and all of us do, probably. But man, we're, we're pretty plugged in. And so on that, on that note, there's a lot of things, actually, that's maybe the tip of the iceberg, especially as it relates to social media and the infinite scrolling that they just want us to be on and have our attention and all that stuff. But there's so many things you and I know that we can be plugged into, right? You know, if it's not, if it's not my phone later in the evening when I'm feeling anxious, it's, man, before I go to bed, I really want to go by the fridge and see what snacks are in there. 
that could really help me medicate with. And, and I do it involuntarily. A lot of us do. I just, I'm reaching for it. I just need something to comfort me, right? So food is a big one, especially during this season. Um, TV and entertainment, you know, it's so funny to me. We, we never really referred to other things um, with this word and go, oh yeah, it's really great, except for TV. It, it's not normal to binge anything, really, except for TV. You guys notice that? It's pretty odd language that we're comfortable with. So no judgment. I, you know, Fran and I watch our shows, but man, I, I can be really plugged into some of this stuff. For me, I, I'm listing really all of mine. You can throw yours in there. Um, sports. I love being plugged into my, my dad's from England, so I watch soccer over in the UK, um, and it's on in the afternoon, so it's extra distracting. Um, so I can be really plugged into that. And even just my job, I, I've grown up with maybe some performance mentality and wanting t- things to be done and done really well. Um, and this is often something I can plug myself into. And the addictions are just things that we know we're repeatedly plugging into, even sin, that we know we don't want. But the call from Jesus is you are worried and distracted with many things, but one thing is necessary. There's a narrowness to following Jesus that's not legalistic, but it's a call to come and be with me. It's not that the other things are bad. It's just that they often get in the way. And I don't want stuff in the way for me. And so I, I started um, just kind of journeying with the Lord, knowing, okay, there's some device stuff there. There's some, you know, some habits in the way I'm structuring my time and my schedule that the Lord just wanna kind of, wants to kind of clear out. And so something that's been really helpful for me, uh, so let me just summarize real quick. Upon realizing what's weighing me down, distracting me in life, I can take measures to unplug or unhurry from those distractions. I'm asking the question in the you, in the unplug, if only one thing is necessary, what's unnecessary? What's unnecessary in my life? Again, these aren't bad things, but I just don't want things to be in the way. So some practices that have been helpful for me with this, and um, I really enjoy talking about this. I really enjoyed, I don't know how many of you guys have read John Mark Comer's Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He talks about some of these, um, and that's actually another recommended resource um, we want to throw it your way. But he talks about some different disciplines, and I'll start with Sabbath. Um, it's funny to me, you know, of all the Ten Commandments, you know, we, if, if we had confessed to anyone that we killed someone or we just committed adultery last night, we'd be like, oh, dang, that's, that's insane. Um, but if we said, you know, I haven't really been practicing the Sabbath lately, we'd be like, oh, I, I always thought that one was kind of optional in America, you know. Um, we kind of have some ideas that it's kind of exempt. And, oh, you, Jesus wasn't big on the Sabbath. I actually think he was. He was just reprioritizing things in the Sabbath. Um, God himself instituted it after he created the world. Um, so, I, again, I, the goal here is not judgment. The goal here is not, oh, we should be doing this. For me, it's, it's been stumbling into this for a few years, and even in setting aside the day for it for me, um, I'm, I still find myself really distracted, and some days I, I'm not able to turn the phone off, or I'm still plugged into other things. I'm not that great at it yet. I'm still looking for answers as to how to do it, but there's something about doing it that gets me away from all the things that are pulling at my attention. Just something about doing it. I'll let you explore more of that on your own if you want to about Sabbath. Simplicity is another thing. Um, I just, at one point, I don't own a lot of possessions, but in this last season, I felt like the Lord kind of said, you know what, one of the things that's just distracting you is your day-to-day with the things you own and your clothing. I just kind of went through my clothing and said, these are the things I want. These are the things I don't need. Cool. 
Not everyone in the room could do that. I'm a pretty simple guy most of the time, so that was easy for me. But beyond even just clothing and possessions, I just want a life. If, if the call is to live a simple life with God and only one thing is necessary, what is, what is unnecessary and what can I afford living without? That's just busying my time in my life, right? It's taken at my attention. Another thing that's really helpful is just asking the question, how could I just slow down in life, right? So looking at things like our devices, social media, food, maybe it's, okay, we need to put some restrictions on it. So I'm, you know, I'll put it to bed. This is what I personally do. I put it to bed at around 10 p.m. and I try not to pick it up until I'm about to head out the door. Um, Just because I don't like it being in my room. It's just way too distracting for me, uh, whether it's work or just the stuff. So just asking myself, even beyond that, man, how could I slow down my device? What's unnecessary on it? It's just taking my time, and it's not actually getting to the stuff inside me that is actually anxious, right? Um, but even thinking through, oh, man, can I, can I slow down when I eat? Can I be more in the moment in my life? Just thinking through some of these things. And again, this isn't a legalistic thing. This is an invitation from Jesus. So I want to pause here for another 30 seconds, and if this feels long um, to you for us to sit in this, go and do it later today um, or a later time during the holidays. But I just want to pause for maybe 30 seconds and just ask the Lord, knowing that where maybe I am distracted and what I'm reaching for to cope with, what could I unplug from or what are some practices with God that he's highlighting that I could maybe chase after? Just pause for 30 seconds or so. call from Jesus is, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The call here from Jesus is gentle. It's not harsh. It's not condemning. So I want you to be free. But this can feel like a religious endeavor if it's just a matter of addition and subtraction. And so I want to move on to this next letter. Um, But Some of us maybe have had seasons in life, maybe on like a vacation or something that we thought, man, I'm going to get some peace and quiet and I'm going to be on the beach and it's going to be amazing because all the things annoying about my life are not around and I'm just going to get to the stuff I want. And I found that kind of thinking is really, (laughs) really sets me up really poorly. (laughs) Like my birthday could, could, the way I hype it up could be one of the worst days of the year if I just put that much expectation in it, right? And, and that's the reality that quiet without peace isn't really that great. Because I found when I'm actually able to get quiet and be alone and the external noise leaves, I'm actually, I, there's a new kind of noise that arises. There's the noise of my internal world, my anxieties, my insecurities, my doubts, my fears, they all, they all rise to the surface like, like if you had a jar of pond water and you, you shook it up, it would be, you know, all over the place. But if you let it settle, you're going to be able to see what's there. And for me, this is actually a really helpful quote. Bill Johnson, uh, pastor out in uh, Redding, California at Bethel Church, Luke Kennedy's second favorite place in the world. 
Um, he would say this, peace isn't the absence of things, it's the presence of someone. And we can do all the work, and we probably need to do the work of evaluating what's going on in my life, what's busying me and distracting me. That's, we need to do that work. But man, if it's not going to have Jesus at the end of it, I, I'm quickly not going to feel very peaceful, very quickly. And you, we get this, right? I've got to find a way to get alone so that this can happen. Uh, there's good precedent for this. Jesus, um, Jesus does this a number of times. I want to read them to you real quick. Uh, he inaugurated his ministry by spending 40 days alone in the desert. That's Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Before he chose the 12, he spent the entire night alone in the desert hills, Luke 6, 12. When he received the news of John the Baptist's death, he withdrew from there into a boat to a lonely place apart. After the miracles of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus went up into the hills by himself, Matthew 14, 23. Following a long night of work in the morning, a great while before the day, he rose and went to a lonely place. And there's others here as well. Some different ways that we can, and this is actually most of the time the same word, which is this word, Eremos. Um, and it actually, we actually get to see these are some of the words that we could actually translate that into. My, my favorite one, my favorite two are, are the quiet place and the wilderness. Getting alone and coming face to face with my fears, my doubts, my insecurities, the things that I was trying to dis- distract myself so I didn't have to feel, that feels like the wilderness to me. That's the place I don't want to go. This is, this is scary. And so the word that we'll use to describe this is inside. There's something about getting alone and getting unplugged from the things I'm wanting to distract myself with that's going to quickly make me realize what's going on inside me. This is, this is the why. This is why asking maybe what a little earlier is helpful is because we can get to some of the why things here. Uh, so in other words, with less distractions and busyness, I can meet God alone where my most inner thoughts, feelings, anxieties, and fears come to the surface. And I can be more aware of what's going on inside me. What's going on inside me? Why now am I so anxious and troubled? And sometimes we know this without having to get there. You know, we kind of know sometimes why we're coping and self-medicating, but man, it's still helpful to get alone and to do this because we can really go there. We can come face to face with ourselves. Um, I love these. I mentioned this one uh, this morning uh, earlier when I was uh, just from what I was praying this morning. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Those who are able to get down and look with pure eyes at who we are and what's going on inside of us, we will see God. Matthew 5, 3, and the message, I love the way this is worded. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, then you can see God in the outside world. Something about getting there that's going to help us see clearly. I just want to read a couple quotes just about this discipline. This is actually a discipline that we'd often refer to as silence and solitude. Richard Foster would say the purpose of silence and solitude is to be able to see and hear. It enables us to see clearly with wide eyes what's going on inside me. A thing that occurs uh, within us when we learn recollection or this discipline of getting inside ourselves and, and reflecting on what's happening is a rise of a spirit of repentance and confession. Suddenly we become aware, keenly aware of our shortcomings and many sins. I'm coming face to face with what's going on inside me and it's positioning me. It's making me ready to be able to repent and confess. I'm going to list a couple more of these just because I, I this is gold to me. These guys are heroes of mine, Henry and 
Richard. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. This enables us to see our true selves and in, in, in where we're at and in, in where we're trying to medicate and, and put other things in place so that we don't have to look at ourselves the way we are. We, we are able to see more clearly. It's, it's solitude. It's the place of conversion, the place where the old self dies and the new self is born, the place where the emergence of the new man and the new woman occurs. When I come into this place, I'm able to see myself and the wretch that I truly am. And it positions me to be able to move forward with Jesus. So I just want to list some different ways that even practically doing this has been helpful. We're not going to practice this one here. I want to tee you up to do the next few steps later. Some helpful things for me in terms of being able to get inside is, man, if just sitting down alone is really hard, I can go on a walk. I've got an apartment uh, complex that friend and I live in, and we're just able to get alone uh, and go on a walk if we need to. Or, man, all my commutes, it's really easy to turn on the music, and sometimes maybe I could just sit in silence as long as it's not rush hour and all the traffic's really loud. And get alone in some of these things. Just even deep breathing throughout the middle of my day. Um, this morning, I've, I've felt, honestly, just anxious. I've never spoken in front of this many people. And I just found myself just breathing deeply. Going, okay, Lord, I'm anxious. I need your help. Um, honestly, you can do this with someone else. I recommend doing it alone at some point. But even just having someone else ask you, what's going on inside of you? What are you feeling? Where are you, where are you experiencing sin? What do you need to confess? And what's going on? Are you anxious? Are you afraid? And then even just finding spaces in our life to just reflect, um, maybe towards the end of our day, maybe some of us practice things like the exam and to just, as we go to sleep, just be aware of God's presence. Get down to what's going on inside of us. So these are just some practices uh, to kind of flesh this out a little bit. And, and I'll tell you guys, just to make this really real, I, um, I'm a youth pastor here. I love my job. But I... Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if you guys know me. A lot of you guys don't know me super well. I, I actually have a really active brain um, in terms of I am constantly thinking about things, analyzing things, specifically myself, lots of self-judgment and criticism. And this often follows when there's been a lot of people to impress uh, or the, the, the threat or the possibility of having a lot of people to impress. And so one of my hardest parts of the week, just to be honest, is 9.30 to 10.30 p.m. on Wednesday nights after Fusion. All of my anxieties, my fears of what people thought, that, that is my wilderness moment in my life right now. When there's something I'm anxious about in my life or my relationships or my marriage, um, I had a moment a few weeks ago during the holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday, where I was just, man, I was getting eaten up inside about something that had happened over the course of our holiday time. And, um, where we were staying, it was just one room. So Fran and I were in the same room together. I couldn't even really get alone, but, I found even just sitting in the rocking chair and just bringing these things to the Lord, I, I found in this season of my life, the Lord's given me the gift of tears. He's given me the gift to be present with him and what I'm feeling. That's okay. And there's comfort in that. And the opportunity to make space in our life so that we can see these things is huge. Because he's starting to heal me of things by just being alone and getting into this stuff with him. But there's something about this that 
and getting inside that is going to require, uh, Richard Foster says it really well, silence is intimately related to trust. It takes a lot of trust to even put the things in my life at bay for long enough to be able to be alone and get inside, right? That's why oh, I need to go to my phone. Maybe something's happened. Maybe something's blowing up and I need to, I need to figure out what's going on. Or just even just being you know, quiet for that long enough, it can feel so hard because we just need to go and do something. But also it's related to trust in the ways that this stuff, getting alone, getting honest with where we're at, positions us to have to trust Jesus. And so the word that we'll use in the quiet acronym to describe this is entrust. I, in getting, this is a miracle, guys, in getting alone enough to be aware of what's going on inside of me, I am now positioned to be able to give these things to Jesus. Now, this is, I I think, kind of hard, just to show you a little bit of precedence for this in the passage. This is actually the good part, by the way. In being with Jesus, I, I, I am now able to give him these things. You know, I've gotten rid of maybe some distractions and busyness. I'm able to give it to Jesus. Um, And so I'm able to get to the root of what's going on inside of me and entrust these things to the Lord. But there's good precedent for trust in Scripture, obviously. But I just want to mention some of what David would say. This is just a different list of things uh, from David. Happy is the man who puts his trust in Yahweh. That's one towards the bottom there. Or... um, I mean, I don't feel like I'm there most of the time, but my trust in God never wavers. I, I've never felt like I've actually been there, but that's great, David. But there's good precedent for this in Scripture, and, and, and also just to reflect on some other, some other writers that have talked about this. Brennan Manning, who wrote the book Ruthless Trust, would say, after thousands of hours in prayer and meditation, really what, some of what we just discussed in Getting Inside, over the intervening years since I was saved, I can state unequivocally that childlike surrender in trust is the defining spirit of authentic discipleship. It's not my ability to get stuff done or to be a good follower or a good Christian. It's, am I able, in my suffering and in my insecurity and in my doubt, am I able to give my stuff to Jesus? say this as well. In order to grow in trust, we must allow that God to see us and love us precisely as we are. And the best way to do that is through prayer. As we pray, the unrestricted love of God transforms us. Trust is so interconnected to being able to be with Jesus and receive his love for us. Um, Something really uh, helpful, though, so for context, we, we did this um, teaching, you know, at retreat. Um, Charlie Steele helped me put some of it together as well. But we uh, were able a little bit later um, to reflect on some of these things, and I'm in a small group, uh, DNA, with the ninth grade guys. Any ninth grade guys in here? One, I see. Okay, two. There we go. And it was actually, it was Micah Magnus who said this. Shout out. He said, yeah, I think I've got some of these different letters down, but when we say, uh, I don't know what it means to entrust things to God or give it to God, what do we mean by that? And I was like, Micah, that's a great question. (laughs) We say that a lot. I just need to give this to the Lord. What does that look like? (laughs) It's a great question. So, and thinking about some of these practices, uh, Guy and I actually chatted about this. What does it actually look like to entrust God? The first thing that came to mind was just believing. In other words, Sometimes the best way to trust God is to have these moments. I give my stuff to him, even physically putting out my hands. 
he, he then might just invite me to go about my life like normal. You know, thus this morning, you know, I, I, don't have, I don't have a kid yet, but man, to be able to say, Lord, I entrust this person to you and then just move on with my life, that's hard. That's really hard. But if I really believe that he loves me and he's got his best intentions for me, I can. Another way to maybe practice uh, trust with the Lord is just taking communion. And there's something about communion that puts us in a place um, of repentance and confession as well. I am now in a place to receive the forgiveness of God, even in feeling all the anxieties and securities and, and fears and confessing my sin. I'm actually na- now able, I'm positioned to be able to repent and confess it to God and to receive his forgiveness. That is a miracle. This is where we can be reconciled back to God in a daily way. And then also through guidance, the Lord might just say, hey, you're struggling with trust, or this is going on. Let's just, let's do this. But I've also realized entrusting things to God um, can kind of be an escape in the way that if it just stays with God, it's, man, maybe there's some stuff that's going unconfessed that the Lord might actually lead me to confess to others. Um, I need to do this with other people as well. We admitted to God, this is celebrate recovery. We admitted to God ourselves into another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. This is also said in, in one of the principles. Um, I openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. These are actually the three parties. You know, it's God, it's me, and it's other people. Other people need to know my stuff too, and this is vulnerable. This is hard, but this is the good work. There's a couple scriptures there that kind of highlight that as well. We'll move on. But this is where it's, it's so important. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Life Together actually highlights this. He says, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. We need each other just as much as we need to be able to just be with God and confess these things to him. So these are some of the same practices, but we get to do it with other people as well. We get to confess. Hey, this is what I'm feeling. Hey, this is where I've sinned. These are the addictions I'm repeatedly going to. And then also just receive love. I, I'm so blessed to have amazing people in my life. Uh, a couple upward graces of mine have been Jonathan Free and Mike Eddins. And um, it was remarkable. And being a fus- just a volunteer fusion leader, John would want to spend time with me. And as I'd confess things to him, this is the first, some of the first times I ever heard this, he would say, you know what, Israel? You're forgiven. Not that John had the power necessarily to do it, but he knew. And just loving me, he'd say, you know what? You're forgiven. I love you, man. And also with our upper graces, they can give us guidance as well. So in this acronym, we've kind of walked through some different things to eliminate distractions and busyness, but also bring us to the person of Jesus. And that's where we're actually going to find peace. Getting to the things that are eating me up, especially during this uh, holiday season where, man, we're going to get eaten up pretty quickly inside about things that aren't going the way that we want them to. There's an opportunity here to see God and to bring those things to him and trust him to him. And so simply, um, T here is just going to mean time. I want to set aside rhythms in my life to practice some of these things. Um, In other words, to live in the quiet life, question asking, unplugging, getting inside, and trusting my life to God, it's going to require that I set aside some intentional time to do so. So can I do it? Can I set aside that intentional time? And so here's some helpful thoughts. I'm just experimenting with this. All of these happen with God. We get to live it with God. But I'm kind of experimenting with even just seasonally, just being in the rhythm of asking questions. Jesus, what are you up to in my life? Where am I busy and distracted? 
Um, I, I put weekly for unplugged just because I, I think it, it, there being some sort of regular rhythm of, uh, you know what, I, I need to get away from the noise is really helpful. And inside is a moment-to-moment daily thing. I want to be ready and available to do this with the Lord and keeping it, um, keeping opportunities to do it with others. I want to keep that often. Um, and so here's some questions that maybe we can pause and reflect on before I wrap up. Um, I know I'm going maybe a little long, but I want us to be able to not just know these are good things, but what's been helpful for me with the collection of these different things is that, okay, I can kind of keep them all in mind as I'm going about my life. And the Lord's really used it. Um, so we'll just pause here for a second. Maybe you can ask some of those questions just to yourself. Awesome. I'm going through this quickly to get through it, but this is a tool, and so I'll have a way for you guys. I think the, the discussion guide will be available, and this will be on there. Um, you guys may also be able to make it happen here in just a second, but I want to close this with just bringing us back to this. The, the truth that we're living into in this season and this morning is we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and this is a thing that's happened. This is, this is Advent here, really, in the way that peace with God has happened. Jesus has brought it, but he's also coming again, and we're kind of living in an unfinished house right now. He's coming back to take care, take care of business in a final way, and in the meantime, it's helpful for me to practice things to regularly bring me back into reconciliation with the Father. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? So I'll close this with this one more time, and then uh, I'll, I'll show you a way to maybe access the resource going forward. Luke ten forty one to 42. You are worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Um, I'm going to put this up right here. You can access it. You guys, QR codes, you guys familiar with those? Cool. Um, but there'll also be a way to access this um, later as well. And there's also some resources on there that you could check out, some of the ones I mentioned and quoted from. Um, but my hope is, guys, is that this isn't just another tool. It's not just another thing. For, and, it, and maybe the Lord will just help you use the language but not walk you through any of it. My hope is that we can find peace with God um, through using things like this and maybe experience a little quiet with him along the way. So thank you for letting me share with you today. So if you, if you couldn't get that on the QR code, we're also going to have this posted on the BC Tulsa website where this whole thing is set out kind of as a short little booklet you could walk through. Was that, that was like thick, good stuff, wasn't that? Like that, that's a whole life practice kind of thing. And, and we kind of, we kind of stacked, stacked it against Israel and said, can you give us an entire retreat in 30 minutes or less, please? Um, but it, that, that, that was fantastic. Thank you so much, Israel. Let's give him a hand for sharing that.